Bless you, Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning again. I'm Mark. I'm the pastor here. I come here on a regular basis. And I love worshiping Jesus. The theme that we have over the, this beginning of the year is unchanging. Jesus and his church. And unchanging doesn't mean inflexible, rigid, not understanding, hard, but rather solid, trustworthy, consistent, purity of character and purpose. I uh, have something that's not completely unchanging, but has been a, a permanent fixture in my life that I just want to celebrate with you today. It's my parents' 60th wedding anniversary. We had a special event for them this, this uh, July. We were rather to, able to be with them. But I'm worshiping, singing this song and changing, and I just, I, I'm just so thankful for the humility in my parents and being faithful to each other. That's the life that I want to live out. Been married to this beautiful lady for 33 years. The grace of God is on our lives, not because we've earned something, but because we keep saying, I'm sorry. We keep saying, I'm wrong, please forgive me. And so the church, we kind of say, Jesus and his church unchanging. Church unchanging? Hey, wait, we used to be facing that way. Now we're facing this way. What's the deal? Well, it's, it's the same in, in purpose, the same that we go back to again and again. And this is who God says we are. This is what we're, we're doing. And we're recognizing James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like the shadows every day. But he's fixed, he's constant. And our vision that we're giving ourselves to and saying we want this to be true in our lives is to love God, share life, and proclaim Jesus. So last week I talked about loving God. This is sharing life today. It's about community. And I mentioned that we can have these things in separate categories. We can go to events and worship Jesus and not be connected to community. You can have community and not have people that you're worshiping with. You can have missional purpose and be very alone in that and not really be walking in community either. But where worship, community, and mission intersect, we call that the church. That's the body of Christ. That's us as a gathered community. And today, I'm talking about community in Jesus, that it requires authentic relationships. So we say sharing life. You don't just have life. It's really, it requires sharing. It's bringing what you have and letting other people experience that also. We're not just having life. We're, there's a vulnerability. There's a sacrifice. There's a generosity in community, if it's based in Jesus. Now, I grew up, the, the dad that I mentioned, mom and dad I mentioned, were pastors. 
They're bivocational. My dad got a master's in social work, worked for the VA hospital system for 29 years and got retirement from the U.S. government. Yes, thank you. Pay for my college education, fed me. My grandfather was also a pastor. So I've been around this my whole life, this church Sunday experience. And, uh, you know, I, so I was in church in the womb three times a week growing up. Before, and then I was born, I was crawling around under the pews in little Baptist churches. And uh, in my mind, a lot of times, there was a type of event mentality. It was a thing that you came to do that wasn't connected to my life always the rest of the week. And people would say, how was church today? And some would say, oh, it was a great service. Wasn't that a wonderful song that person sang? Didn't that speaker have a great message? And then some weeks it was like, meh, I give it a three. Not that great a show. And we can focus on, yeah, it takes some work actually to pull this off. That's wonderful. We get to come in here, set up chairs and curtains and sound systems. We don't have a building. What we have, Boston Public School System providing us space. So thank you, Boston Public School System. And we have a relationship with these people. We were, worked in helping clean up the grounds around here yesterday, the people involved in that. Thank you. Anybody did that yesterday? Whoop! Yay! So there's something beautiful in our relationship there. But we don't have our own space specifically that we can go to 24-7. So there's a little bit of a difference in that. <clears throat> but the Sunday event can create a performance that is somewhat of a dissonance in our life. Everybody sits facing this direction, not as much interaction side to side. And as a kid, I would look around and think, as you know, I, I would take time to look sideways. We're all facing forward, and I'd kind of look over my shoulder. Usually in high school, particularly, I was a problem child. I was poking people around me and trying little tricks to get them to shout out at inappropriate times during church services. But I also noticed a lot of people showing up on a regular basis that I knew had a problem with each other. And I would think, why is the show going on? Why don't we just stop and deal with it? They've got an issue in their life, or they've got a problem with each other. Why, you know, that's not it. What we're doing here is not as important as what's happening in the relationship between these people. And then we'd go on with the service and say amen and walk out and go home. We look nice. Let's keep it nice. And where I grew up, we looked nice. You wore your best clothes on Sunday. We don't always do that. We're more casual, more relaxed, and there's a little bit of a value there of we're bringing who we are to this worship time. So the point I'm making is church actually is not an event, and church is not a building. Church is people. It's this gathered group of relationships. And on Sundays, our culture in America gives us the day off, 
mostly. And we worship. We take that time and we bring it together to worship Jesus. And our services, just like anybody else, could become a show, a performance. Or they could be real. They could be something that actually cultivates authentic relationship. So this all depends on our attitude. When you're in here this morning, what's going on in your heart? We start singing songs this morning. Are you kind of going, yeah, awesome band, checking it out. Whenever Christian was playing drums, I was always distracting for me. I was trying to focus on Jesus, and I kept going, that guy is awesome. But we have, to, we have to take this experience and focus it down when we come into this room. Jesus, uh, let me peel all the layers away. I want to see you. I want to focus on you today. We have to ask ourselves, am I here to impress people? Am I here to be seen? Are we here just to showcase our talents? Now, I don't want to be a bad communicator, but I don't want to perform. And... I, now, don't get me wrong, I appreciate encouragement. If there's anything that I ever say that is significant to you and you want to tell me, that makes me happy. But in my own heart, if I get in a pattern of preaching and scoring how well I do, I just start to hate it. It's like, ugh, I don't want to be just doing this thing. I want to be giving something substantial from God's Word that's actually helping people live life out and honoring Him. And not like, oh, you know, I... I so I, when I was in college, Susan and I started a, a... a group of our friends started a meeting on Friday nights. We'd gather at 7 and normally go till about midnight. We'd have two hours of worship... Then we had a little food in, then we'd have some more worship. We just stayed and stayed and stayed. And in that whole process, I would spend, because I was the leader of the group, I would spend hours praying for it. And every time at the end of it, I would say, oh, I was terrible. It was awful. And Susan, for like a couple of months, we were dating during that time, she would say, oh, it's okay, it's okay. And then after two months of me doing this every week on on a regular basis, she said, will you just shut up? (laughs) It was fine. It's not about you. It's like, whoa, I think I'm going to marry this girl. (laughs) Speaks the truth in love. So what we do as we gather together is not about our performance. Thank you, Jesus. We are free from everyone's opinion. I sit here every week. I'm I'm free from everybody's opinion in here. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. I'm going to get up and talk in a couple of minutes. I'm free from everybody's opinion. Thank you, Jesus. I want your life to come down because it's significant. This is a special time. But community has to be integrated into this whole thing or else it's artificial. So when we gather, we do have a liturgy. We are a, uh, 
You know, this whole thing. What, what kind of church is this? Well, we're Antioch. Is that a denomination? Well, we don't like to actually label denomination, but we sometimes denominate, and uh, we do these different things, and there's patterns here. So we gather together. We worship. We look for songs. We get some excellent musicians that lead us out, focusing our vocabulary and singing songs that express our hearts to God. Then we communicate a little bit, get someone up here like Phil that goes, yeah, this is what we're doing this week. And uh, then we have other announcements. (laughs) Then we get a testimony like Alex, he does the same thing. And uh, giving, and we have the Word of God, we're focusing on the Bible to communicate. And then at the end... We have a time where we want real time you to experience the Lord. So that's a time where whatever's happened, we want to pray. You can be prayed for. You can pray for other people. That's kind of what we do. That's our liturgy. That's a pattern that we have. And the pattern's good. We see in Colossians 3.16, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. How re- admonish. Let's let the Spirit of God dwell in you as you admonish each other. That word admonish has rebuke in it. So we're going to start doing more rebuking during the services. Turn to your neighbor and correct them. No. Okay. But, uh, but something's happening in this community that's very real, tangible, and dynamic. And then it's wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. There's some patterns there, Okay. The problem is not the pattern. The problem is when we allow it to be just going through the motions, kind of doing this thing. And the only way to break out of that cycle is to use our whole lives to be doing the one another's. What do I mean by the one another's? There's about 30 one another's in Scripture, but I'll read just a few of them to you. Romans 12:10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Ephesians 4.32 Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Hebrews 3.13 But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. How often is it called today? So I just keep on doing it. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encourage each other so that you don't get hardened patterns of sin. You need some encouragement. And that's happening when our formal time is over and we start interacting, head out to the park, just start having a conversation with someone, and you encourage them. It happens in our life groups. It happens in prayer groups. It happens just eating dinner together. It happens grabbing some people and saying, hey, you do anything after church? Let's go have lunch. And we interact. That is where our community builds and we do this other thing. So, if we are going to have authentic relationships, we have to ask, where's God in all of this? God is good, but life is hard. People have problems, things break, people get sick, we get angry, we say things that we regret. People hurt each other, but God is good. The tension of having a God who is perfect 
and people that he created that are not perfect is kind of complicated. God is good, people have problems. But God created the solution. God set up the solution. He himself fulfilled the solution of all this. The word is sin. It's missing the mark. It's doing these things that are wrong, that are offensive to God and to others. Through the death of Jesus on the cross, paying for our sin. That is a substitution for everything in your life that is shameful, it's broken your heart and broken the heart of others. You can't get free from that by being good enough. You can't like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill this bucket up so that it's balanced, and at the end of my life, I'm hoping that the good things outweigh the bad things. Only Jesus accepting what he did and transferring, say, all of this garbage in my life, Jesus, I give to you. It doesn't seem fair, does it? You want to give Jesus good things. But he's saying, I want that. I am the only one who can take that pain, all the failure, all the shame, all the brokenness. And when you give that to him, it pleases him. You're not dumping on him. You're fulfilling his purpose. And you receive, you give him what you have, and you receive what he has, his cleansing, his forgiveness. And that's the, the Bible says you're born again. His spirit comes in you and makes you a new creation. And you can actually then, through his power, live out his will in an honoring way to others. So that's the solution through Jesus his work. And it, that's something that if that's a new concept to you, you need to talk to somebody about before you leave today. But that's really the first step. Now, if you are forgiven and you receive and experience that forgiveness, then you're able to give that to somebody else. You can transfer that. So I'm I mess up, completely guilty, and I go to Jesus in humility and admit what I've done. He speaks forgiveness over my life and cleanses me, gives me a new beginning. And then, when someone else hurts me, I'm able to say, you've forgiven me? Yes, I forgive you. I've been, I've been forgiven much. The Bible says, he who has been forgiven much loves much. They're able to pass that along. If you haven't been forgiven, forgiven, if you haven't experienced that, or if you find in your life like an emotional pressure that's just growing and a greater and greater tension in relationships, I just call you back to receiving forgiveness, to humbling yourself again so that you can have the grace, the peace to forgive others. So, we want not just to celebrate on Sundays, but we want to share life. Now, what does that look like practically? Susan and my search for all this began in college. And in a university setting where we were living in a pretty close proximity, we had meals together, we had prayer times together, we had worship together, we did these service projects together, we did ministry together. It really built some depth there. 
I'm going to talk in a few minutes about how we're working again to experience that again in a busy major city. Acts 2.42 is a verse that we discovered at that point in time. You know, I'd read it. I'm sure I'd read it before. But somehow, when I began, when I experienced a powerful filling of the Holy Spirit, really started walking with Jesus. All these years as a pastor's kid, I finally started walking with Jesus in college. I don't know how to explain all that. You know, I think I'd opened up the door a few times. I'd prayed prayers. I'd read the Bible. But I know I was born again. I know my life changed when I was a, a freshman in college. And this verse described what we started doing. And this is a picture of the early church. This is the first church. This is when all these people in Acts chapter 2 got saved and they started trying to live out life together. This is the pattern that they had. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So this word, fellowship, is kononia. Now, that's a, a Greek word. I actually had one semester of Greek, so I know some Greek words. But the point in emphasizing that is it is actually translated in different ways throughout the New Testament. And let me give you a couple of those other verses. So this is the fellowship. A lot of times we think about fellowship. It's, it's this, in my mind, fellowship was what happened when uh, uh, several of the older women brought casseroles and we all had meals together. That was, uh, that was fellowship, fellowship time. We talked and, and ate fresh vegetables from somebody's farm and enjoyed community. My father pastored small churches, small country churches. And so that fellowship was kind of how, how we did that. But this is also talking about how we relate to each other. It says, into the breaking of bread, into prayers. So in Philippians 3.10, here's the word koinonia, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share koinonia, in the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So it's not talking about this event where we're kind of sitting down and eating. Koinonia, walking in suffering together. Then in 1 John 1, 6, if we claim to have fellowship, koinonia, with him, this relationship, this interactive depth of relationship with Jesus, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So, koinonia here, we claim to have fellowship. In that context, it's talking about confession of sin. So we are sharing in sufferings, we're having this community experience, and we're confessing sin. We're koinonia, we're sharing, we're fellowshipping, we're having this interaction. That's what we're trying to do. And there are limitations to this when we're in this room. 
So what do we do practically? How does this work? Well, I, I got some specific responses from Bree and Phil, Kendra, Michael, Ron, different ones. How do you see this happening in Boston? How do you see this happening in our lives? For college students, how do you get community? How do you get fellowship? Learn to, prior, learn to prioritize your time. <laughs> Don't overcommit. So, the job of a freshman is to be involved in as many organizations as possible. And the job of a sophomore is to figure out which of those are important. Because to have too many groups that you're interacting with means all of those relationships are going to be shallow. And so you have to begin to say, where am I really going to be committed? Susan and I, when we first started having kids, we realized everything we committed to meant a whole new set of birthday parties. The soccer team, oh my goodness. Eight more birthday parties. We started hiding from birthday parties. Now, all of these different aspects of social life bring priority, Lord Jesus, into our lives. I'm going to say this more than once, but commit to life group every week, students. You have to have a structure that you're coming to and saying face-to-face instead of all pointing in this direction where you're able to have conversation, a back and forth, and an interaction. We call that life groups. It's based on Scripture. And then it's good. Community, being involved in this together is an aspect of community. Getting For students, getting out of just dealing with students and interacting with families, interacting with other stages of life is healthy. And if you know how to babysit, it's even more healthy. <laughs> but you get engaged in people's lives. So, another thing I want to say is think through, and I'm talking to students, and again, hopefully this applies to a lot of us, but think through. Actually take some time and think through, who can I confess my sin to? Who could I be vulnerable with? Because you're going to need to do that on some sort of a regular basis. How many of you sin at least once a day? No, don't lift your hands. <laughs> it's just a pattern that happens. It's the law of thermodynamics, entropy. We, things tend toward disorder. There's things that break in our life, and we regularly, as a discipline, as a pattern, need to share what's going on in our life and give and receive forgiveness. For young adults... Commit to a life group. <laughs> Don't be a consumer. This is Phil's advice. This is not my opinion right here. I'm talking. This is Phil. Don't be a consumer and only think about whether it will fit your needs. But ask God which life group you should commit to and see how he will use you in that specific community. Then Phil gave a shout-out to Pure Desire Groups. Alex talked about that earlier. 
if there's anything, I, there's a few times in the last couple of years that I've thought, if there's anything that we could be known for that I would be proud of, and that would be breaking sexual sin off of our lives. Lord, if, if we can walk in purity there, I mean, there's so many public tragedies that are happening that are just nauseous. But then look at your own life and say, Jesus, how can I walk in purity and not be another story? We have to build the strength of that in our lives. And there are great structures and great programs and and things that, I mean, people have tried a lot of different things. This is something that I think, wow, this is worth time. This is worth a significant investment. And not just for men. We have women's groups. Another thing, Phil keeps saying things like this, let's do lunch. And the point is with that, with each one of us, and that's what Susan and I do. Lunch after church, this is a time, whatever you've got everybody in the car or you're going somewhere, let's just, let's, let's go to El Pallone, grab some stuff and go out in the grass next to it over in the seminary over there and hang out. Let's, let's go over to Washington Street Let's get some food. Let's go to Rogers Park. Just hang out. Let's get some food. Jesus was accused of eating meals with too many people. He said he's a glutton. No, he understood community. This is how we do this thing. We just, this is, this is dead time where we can have a conversation about anything we want to. Let's just get some food. And then when it invites you, Antioch Hop. So, House of Prayer on Sundays at 9 o'clock. This is a place where you can build relationships through intercession. It's right there, right above us. And come at 9, spend an hour or so in prayer, and invest in what's happening spiritually in our city with our missionaries, with the life of our church. So, with families, how do we do this? How do we get more time with each other in this crazy life of 113 birthday parties? For each one of our children. Go to lunch after church. You know, uh, we have family life group. We'll be starting in a few weeks on Sunday nights. Getting a meal after that. Just saying, hey, let's do this. I, I just want to get to know you a little bit better. We can eat and you can tell your story. I'll tell my story. But get food. Our life groups. We have life groups that, uh, that are in specific geographic areas. And that allows a very different dynamic from what we're doing on Sunday nights because you get to be in someone's home. You get to be more in that environment. But on Sunday nights, we also have Family Life Group, which is a large group of people. It has a better, a bigger, not a better necessarily, but a bigger children's ministry focus that allows people. If you're in an elementary season with your kids, for sure, you actually could have potentially a 30-minute conversation with adults. It's phenomenal. And <clears throat> so that's something that's been working. Men and women's discipleship groups. Where's Michael Helsmortel? There. He's, up, he's with the kids. Uh, uh, so I'm Michael specifically. Uh, but they've got a men's group going on. There are other things that are happening. And there are places where... We're, we're able to do something that's a, just a little bit deeper with each other 
the early mornings, some evenings. Another thing that happens for families that build community is a service project. Just doing something where you're working with other people. Cleaning up the, around this building a couple of times a year. Or other things that are happening in the city. There's times where we've helped people move in. It is great just to work and sweat alongside each other. A big event that we have on an annual basis is called Family Camp. It's a week that we meet in a retreat center just across the state line in New Hampshire. That's amazing. Getting to I, My favorite thing about that is just seeing other people's children for a week. I just love it. You know, even if they're just crashing into each other and doing all kinds of crazy things, it's uh, uh, Zach Kleinsasser met me. Uh, actually, I'm thinking about um, Grady. One of the boys was, uh, met me at the very first of the week, and he said, I'm so excited. I've been preparing for the, uh, the talent show for months now. You know, I've been thinking about this. I've been preparing my act for quite some time. He's like, and I'm going, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> this is so fun. And, uh, but that event is not accessible necessarily to everyone. And there's another thing that we've been poking around and thinking about doing. And uh, the camp has told us if a group of families, or a, a, including singles or whoever, wants to come up, they can use our facility for the weekend. You can do a Friday night through Sunday, go up there and grab a bunch of people together, get a little bit of structure with that, and have a retreat that builds time and depth of relationship. So form retreats. Take your life group. Take your group of people together and get overnight with them somewhere. Go camping. Get some time together. There's other things. Mom's Connection happens on Thursday. There's uh, <clears throat> from people that do trade-off of date nights by watching each other's children. They've formed family dinners. Like, we're going to meet X number of times a month and just have a meal together. This food thing is, is really good. <laughs> it's really good. I think fellowship and food, they're, they're important. I, really, I happen to like food. So, all of these are, are practical steps of taking this together worship of Jesus into a place where a deeper relationship is happening. And we are building something and going against the tide in our city. We are saying with all the attrition, with all the change and all the different transitions that's happening, we're leaning into this and saying, Jesus, build your kingdom in our city. Bring more people in to know you. Bring a greater depth of relationship. Now, we say goodbye to people on a regular basis. There are people that come here for just four years and move on. There are people that come for six, eight, seven, ten years and and have transitions in their lives. And I just want to say it is an honor to be with them in those seasons. To invest in people's lives and to watch what God is doing in there. For those of you who have said a lot of goodbyes, I just want you to receive fresh grace. And thank you for every way that you've invested. Thank you for, for working that out and giving and saying, yes, Lord, I give them to you. 
and give us strength again, Lord. Do you want that? Lord, fill our souls again. Give us fresh networks of relationships. As we've said goodbye, we want to say hello again in faith. We want to do this thing. Lord, thank you for putting us in this city. Thank you for the amazing people. I, I, first name comes to my life, but I thought of an amazing person, Justin Coxum. Just a big wow. For those of you who know uh, Justin and Rachel, we still have relationship. What a privilege. And God's brought them to another place. And that's painful. Lord, let us do it again. Let us do it again. This, is, this, uh, this unique fit allows us to be on mission. It actually allows us to not have to move to another country. Congratulations, you're in Boston. You don't have to move to another country to be involved in missions. We're bringing them to you, okay? You just stay still. We're going to fl- run them right over here. You guys grab them, invest in them, pour into each other's lives, and then we'll send them out again. It's true. So, honor and grace for those of us that stand in the midst of this and pour into people's lives. And I just I want, I want to pray for you right now. For those that specifically apply to this, and that's, would you, you just I want to pray over a couple of things, but kind of bring in a, a closure here to the service. I want the band to come out. But for those of you, let's all stand together. For those of you specifically that said, have, are, something inside of you is going, I'm just feeling a little, few, a little too many goodbyes. I want you to just put your hands out right now and say, Holy Spirit, come and heal our hearts. I'm, I'm with you. Heal our hearts, Lord. Show us how to receive this life that you have. You that are unchanging. You that are fixed and permanent. You that are holy. We wrap our lives around you again, Jesus. And ask that you would grow our roots deep in purpose. And you would build our teams. You would build these friendships again in our lives, Lord. Place our hands in you. And Lord, forgive us. I don't I even know how to express that. I'm not sure what's there. But Lord, would you... The places where we've allowed disappointment to kind of shadow over everything, Lord. In the past, kind of dictating the future. Forgive us, Lord. We ask for new beginnings. New purpose in community. Just receive that. Receive heaven's perspective. For every place you've given, every place you've loved, and every place you've served, just receive heaven's perspective again. Thank you, Lord. Build build that security. Build that understanding. Build that depth in each of our lives, Lord, because we... We want to say yes to you again. 
to say yes to you again in your will, in your way.